0: The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc.
1: From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF.
2: Good morning, I'm Brian Curtis. And I'm Doug Krisner. Here are the stories we're following today. U.S. core CPI posting the smallest back-to-back gains in more than two years. J.P. Morgan strategist David Kelly sees reasons for market optimism. He predicts that inflation will fall to 2% with or without any further help from the Fed. Kelly also sees more stock rewards for patient investors, and he thinks that bonds will provide a solid capital gain.
3: The bond market overall is better priced than it's been for many, many years. I think there is a one-time capital gain there. Um, as rates come down, as people realize the Federal Reserve is going to have to cut rates.
2: Despite Kelly's optimism, the U.S. stock market was on shaky ground today, as you heard there. The S&P 500 flattened, giving up a big gain. Traders are betting that even if the Fed pauses in its rate-hiking cycle in September, policy will remain tight to prevent an inflation flare-up.
4: Now to today's Fed speak. Uh, The head of the San Francisco Fed, Mary Daly, was saying today the CPI data came in largely as expected, and that's, quote, good news. But she told Yahoo Finance the Fed has more work to do.
0: It's also consistent with what we believe
2: will be happening, which is that inflation will gradually make its way down. But it is not a a data point that says victory is ours and the Fed is fully committed to resolutely bringing inflation back down to its 2 percent target.
4: That is San Francisco Fed Bank President Mary Daly. Now, Fed officials are somewhat divided on how to proceed. you got two camps, basically. One faction has been arguing that the past year and a half of rate hikes that we have seen pretty much done the job. Others, though, are contending that pausing too soon could risk inflation reaccelerating. Now, the Fed will see another CPI report and some jobs data before the next meeting. That will happen on September 19th and the 20th. Brian. Well, let's
2: go a slightly different direction here. Deputy Treasury Secretary Wally Adiemo says that an executive order restricting U.S. investments in China will protect national security. And he wants the U.S. to limit the ability of firms to make investments that would help China's military in any way. Adiemo weighed in on the financial impact of this executive order. The goal of this executive order is to make sure that we're limiting the ability of financial flows and the know-how that often goes alongside those financial flows to give countries of concern the ability to get around the things that we're trying to prevent them from getting
3: access to, like the most advanced semiconductors
2: emo said the U.S. Treasury will seek input from companies with an interest in the investment order. And separately, we're hearing that the U.K. is considering whether to follow the U.S. measures. A U.K. government spokesperson said that the country would continue to assess potential national security risks that are attached to certain investments.
4: Alibaba has returned to growth across all its main divisions. The story from Bloomberg's Joanne Wong in Hong Kong.
2: Alibaba reported a better than expected 14% rise in revenue in the last quarter, and it comes at a time of economic turbulence in China and after a blistering crackdown on the private sector. Alibaba now needs to win the hearts and minds of investors to effect a complicated overhaul. The reorg will split the company six ways. The results provide a solid foundation for Alibaba co-founders Joseph Tsai and Eddie Wu. They'll take over leadership from Daniel Zhang in September. Separately, Alibaba also warned of Constraints on the global supply of AI chips. The company was unable to fulfill client demands for AI training. In Hong Kong, I'm Joanne Wong, Bloomberg, Debreg Asia. Meantime, China's securities watchdog is planning to hold a meeting with developers and banks later today. Bloomberg's Bonnie Ao has that story from Hong Kong. The China Securities Regulatory Commission plans to meet with the two sides this morning. It's the latest in a series of attempts by China to revive the property market. Slumping home sales are hurting builders, including Country Garden. But we're told that Country Garden is not among those invited to today's virtual meetup. Country Garden was once the nation's largest. It's now the latest focus of China's property woes. The meeting today comes after the Politburo signaled looser policies for the sector at its meeting in July. In Hong Kong, I'm Bonnie Al, Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. I'm Brian Curtis, along with Doug Krisner. So, Doug, the market action today uh, suggests that investors are still a little bit more concerned about valuations, on uh, the fact that stocks that seem to be uh, overbought recently rather than oversold, uh, and, and that that was more important than the inflation data, which was perceived as, as positive. Although the numbers did come in more or less as expected, and yet we did see huge gains in the market that were given up by. the end of the day. So it shows you that the market kind of moves and grooves on its own sort of uh, thinking.
4: Most definitely. You're absolutely right. We had very strong gains right out of the gate this morning, and they seemed to evaporate as the day went on. Brian, one of the things I thought was interesting today, Beijing lifting a ban on group tours to a slew of countries. This is going to include the U.S., the U.K., Australia, South Korea, and Japan. Maybe it's going to test the demand of overseas travel from what had been one of the world's biggest sources of tourists, that being China.
2: My take on this story is that it's, it's not all that great for domestic consumption in China. It's not going to lift the economy too much uh, because this is more about outbound tourism. It, it's going to be a very big deal for global tourism, and it's good for the countries, uh, those five countries uh, that were highlighted in this. Uh, but Chinese travelers were able to go to many other countries around the rest of the world, and it was geopolitics that was stopping this. Uh, now, they made a change, and as I put in my story, yesterday. Why? Well, it wasn't really clear. Uh, so it's quite interesting. If it's not going to help the domestic economy all that much, why do it? And I think there are some other things working here behind the scenes that become
4: very interesting. You want to speculate on what m- those may be? Well,
2: I, I think it's obvious that the U.S. and China are trying to repair the relationship, and, and this may be part of that with, with the West. China standing on the global stage, it may not like the direction that it's taken, and this might be one small way to sort of right a perceived wrong in that China had been constraining travelers from, from going to those places in some ways.
4: Also today, we should point out, and I think you mentioned this earlier, this meeting in Beijing today with the securities regulator trying to solve the problem that has existed in the real estate market. This could be an important development.
2: It could be. Uh, It'll be interesting to see what comes out of it and if we learn what, what comes out of it. And it's just yet another attempt that follows on from the Politburo meeting in July, yet another attempt to tinker at the edges of the property market uh, other than coming in with just massive stimulus like really dropping interest rates and such uh, tinkering with ways to uh, to make some improvements there so it'll be interesting to watch that meeting it's supposed to be this morning our time here in Asia so we may even get some dribs and drabs before we wrap up the program later on all right now it's time for global news Crews on Maui are spreading out after the burn area of the devastating wildfires uh, has spread and they're calling the search and rescue there. Uh, Let's get to Ed Baxter who can clarify this for us. Ed, what's the latest?
3: Yeah, uh, Brian, uh, the death toll has jumped now to at least 36. Adam Weintraub of emergency management says it is a very grim task. We've got uh, a fairly large burned area that the search and rescue teams still need to explore and uh, see whether there's any survivors in those areas. Uh, we do fear that there may be additional casualties. Yeah, and uh, Lieutenant Governor Sylvia Luke says the state is trying to take care of residents now and then looking to the future. The
0: damage to the infrastructure, it's not just um, buildings. I mean, these were small businesses that invested in Maui. These were local residents. And, uh, you know, we need to figure out a way to help a lot of people in the next several years
3: and then there's the ongoing task of getting visitors off the island today hundreds slept at the airport waiting to get out and weintraub says the state is suggesting people not try to get in recommendation from the state has been avoid unnecessary travel to maui uh, if uh, you've got a vacation planned here, uh, it's going to be a very different situation uh, under the conditions that we have in place now than when we planned the trip. And President Joe Biden says the military is even in.
4: I've ordered all available federal assets on the island, including the U.S. Coast Guard, the Navy 3rd Fleet and the U.S. Army, to assist local emergency response crews. Along with the Hawaiian National
3: Guard. Yeah, but even getting relief money could be a heavy lift. Bloomberg's Gregory Corta. And so uh, the small number can really uh, throw a wrench into the works, as we saw with the debt limit debate that we just went through. And this was already going to be a difficult budget season as we go into the end of the fiscal year, at the end of October, or the end of September, beginning of October. So uh, on the island, still hotspots seem to be more on the south uh, end now, near Kihei. So the major tourist areas of the island have been affected. Typhoon Kunun is being felt in Seoul and across the border in North Korea's Pyongyang. Maximum wind speeds have weakened a bit, 72 kilometers per hour, but still strong enough to cause disruption. The U.S. National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, NOAA, saying the odds of an intense hurricane season are growing day by day. Troops have deployed a across Ecuador to enforce the state of emergency as six people accused of plotting against uh, the presidential candidate Fernando uh, Villavicenio are uh, due to appear before a judge. The Justice Department of the U.S. has met its deadline for submitting suggested trial date for its election case against former President Trump. Bloomberg's Nancy Lyons has details.
0: The Justice Department is proposing the jury trial begin on January 2nd of 2024. That would fit with special counsel Jack Smith's request for a speedy trial. Now the clock is ticking on the Trump team to offer its request, which is due August 17th. Trump's attorneys have already said they'll argue for a longer timeline due to their client's busy political schedule and his other court cases. Once their request is submitted, it'll be up to U.S. District Judge Tanya Chutkin to set an official trial date at an August 28th hearing. In Washington, I'm Nancy Lyons, Bloomberg Daybreak Asia.
3: Global News, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in over 120 countries. In San Francisco, I'm Ed Baxter, and this is Bloomberg.
0: Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc.
1: From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like
2: I'm Brian Curtis, along with Rashad Salamat in London, and our guest is Dana Peterson, Chief Economist at the Conference Board, to take a closer look at the latest U.S. CPI data. Dana, thank you for taking out the time to be with us uh, at the end of the of the day. Uh, looking at this report, you know, we still see quite a lot of um, interest in things like uh, gasoline and rents and wages. Uh, how do you see those moving over the next few critical months?
0: Well, we believe that gasoline prices could tick up a little bit. Certainly, we know that Saudi Arabia has cut back on its production of crude oil, and that affects global energy prices and consequently gasoline. Um, But certainly gasoline prices are well below last year's level. So that certainly is providing a, a boon or rather some relief for consumers. When we think about rents, rents are the biggest part of inflation. And actually, they're poised to start falling off. And we know that because if you look at home prices and you lag that by about 18 months, it pretty much does a, v- a very good job of telling you where rents are headed. So we're going to get relief on, relents- on rents over the next few months.
3: Now, you've got push and pull inflation. We don't seem to much uh, have much of the uh, wage sort of uh, inflation that we had. It was uh, more intense, wasn't it, uh, this time last year?
0: Yes, wage pressures are less intense compared to last year, but they're still rising very aggressively. Um, we're looking at wages in the 4% range. Before the pandemic, wages were below 3%. Um, we barely even got to 2% wage growth, so this is quite rapid. And indeed, when we ask CEOs what they're thinking about in terms of wages, they still think they need to raise wages by 3 to 5% over the next 12 months because they think the labor market is still going to be tight and they're going to have difficulty finding qualified workers and keeping workers as well.
2: Dana, in the broadest sense, uh, inflation is coming down faster than growth is, and that would seem to be a good formula for the U.S. economy. Do you see it that way?
0: Well, certainly headline inflation is falling pretty rapidly. That's because Gasoline prices, again, are lower this year compared to last year. And food prices are not rising as precipitously as they were. But when you look at inflation, less food and energy, we call that the core. It's still very elevated. It's around 4%. And that's very far away from 2%. So it's hard to imagine that that's a good enough uh, reason for the Fed to stop raising rates at this point.
3: Um, With uh, the job market where it is and you know, where inflation is now and where the Fed is with rates. So does this mean there's likely to be no landing?
0: Well, (laughs) we're not in the quote unquote soft landing camp. We actually think there might be a recession. Why? Because monetary policy takes a while to filter through the entire economy. It's called long and variable lags and Certainly when interest rates started rising, the housing market reacted first. But now we need to see it filter through what businesses do in terms of investments and also uh, labor markets, and then what consumers are doing. So we know consumers are buying fewer durable goods because financing is elevated. And when we look at services, they're shifting services away from things that they want and luxury items to more things that they need. So. All that has to continue to filter through the economy. And that's not a hard landing, but it certainly isn't a soft landing. It's something in between, which we're calling a short and shallow recession.
2: Dana, thanks so much for joining us. Dana Peterson, Chief Economist at the Conference Board.